we're, we are creating a marketplace. It's a marketplace of ideas. It's also a marketplace you know, for doing better business. Every nonprofit's existential crisis is money and fundraising. This is the strategy inside everything. I'm Adam Pierno. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Strategy Inside Everything. We are going to have a purposeful, positive talk today. Although the, some of the pre-chatter we maybe wasn't so positive, but we had a couple laughs. Uh, I am joined today by Mr. Ian Schaefer, who came from the agency world and now has co-founded and is the CEO of Kindred, uh, which is a new kind of uh, organization. When I was reading about it, I reached out to Ian right away and said, hey, we, I want to talk to you about this. Ian, welcome this morning. Thanks for having me, Adam. I really appreciate you making time. I know you're uh, trying to stand up this huge, this huge idea of yours. Uh, so I appreciate you making uh, an hour and, and doing it. No, no problem. Go big or go home, as they say. <laughs> tell me, uh, tell the audience, for those who don't know uh, who you are, if you can give us just kind of a background of how you got to this point in your career, and then we'll, then we'll dive in and talk about how you came up with the idea for Kindred. Sure. So I, uh, I come, I'm coming out of about a 20-year career in, let's call it media, entertainment, and advertising. So for the last 15 years, I was uh, building, running, growing, um, and then eventually selling um, an agency called Deep Focus, um, which I sold in 2010 uh, to uh, the Engine Group, um, and uh, stayed on and, and took it global, um, and kept growing it until I left in 2017 um, to, uh, for lack of a better term, figure shit out. <laughs> um, it was. Uh, it was. It was like agency years are kind or I don't even know what kind of years they are, but they don't feel like 365 days. They feel like a lot longer, um, especially in hindsight. And so, um, you know, I, I needed to figure out kind of of all the powers that I accumulated through the years, whether it was at the, on the agency side or on the movie studio side, which is what I was doing before that. Um, you know, how can I make as big of a difference in the world as possible as just one person? Um, and that's, that, that was the kind of vision quest <laughs> that I went on after, um, after I left that career behind and closed that chapter at least. Um, and, uh, I, I honestly like had to figure out like what, what new chapter to open. Um, and Ian, did you, time to figure that out. were you having those thoughts while you were at deep focus and while you were at the engine group, were you, were you thinking that even then or not until you hit the wall and decided to take a break and recalibrate? Um, yeah, I was. I mean, you know, this, look, I turned 40. Um, I had three kids, not all at once. And technically my wife was the one that had them. She did, um, she did most of the work there. Yeah. She, yeah. And continues to do most of the work. But, <laughs> but, but um, you know, I, it is, uh, it, there were thoughts that any human being would have, right. After doing something, there was um, a lot of fear attached to like thinking about leaving. Um, there was also though, existential questions that I had about the industry. Um, and, you know, there, there, there were so many changes happening inside the industry and also like outside of the industry that affected the industry that I actually wondered if I had another reinvention in me from a, from an agency standpoint, like if, right. if I had the appetite for that, 
um, yep. and if the upside would be worth it. Because every time there was a reinvention, I felt invigorated and uh, enthusiastic and motivated to uh, to actually reimagine the agency, what it does, what it did, how it did it, um, and had successfully done that over the course, you know, fifteen years. And it was gotten to the point where the next logical step might have actually been contraction. Um, and no one wants to really hear that. Like that doesn't excite people. Um, and frankly, like I, I just didn't know if I had that in me. So I, I decided to, you know, move on, you know, get in some like new, new blood, new thinking, um, to help solve, you know, the challenges that we're facing the entire industry, not just the agency. Um, and, and figure out what was next to me. And like I said, it was a very difficult decision and one that I, I I'm not going to lie, like one that my mental mental health uh, contributed to. Um, you know, I found myself like in, in a hoodie, like on my couch with literally the hood pulled over my head, you know, trying to figure out how, like, how do you not just extract yourself from a family, but from a career and from a reputation. And then the existential questions around like, am I even good at anything else? Like all of these things, Added up, and eventually, I just have to like take that leap of faith. That is a huge question for people that are, you know, so much of uh, advertising Twitter and and agency Twitter, you know, to encompass all the kinds of agencies are people that are deb- having that same internal debate of could if I get laid off or if this place closes or if my if I have to close my place, can I do something mm-hmm. else? What would it be? Mm-hmm. Um, and that really holds back both. I think that holds back the growth of the industry overall because people are so afraid to shift from what they know has worked. Yeah. And, and my advice for anyone that my advice for anyone who's thinking about that is, uh, and maybe more of a pep talk, but it's like, you've got the, some of the most transferable skills of any career period. So, you know, don't be afraid to look at kind of making a left turn in your career, but still being able to use all the skills and talent that you've accumulated, um, including being a good, if not great communicator. Yes. Um, because those, those are th- that, that skills in such short supply, uh, that there's just, you know, so much value that can be drawn for that, how to succeed in a meritocracy, for example, right? Also, like how um, to handle adversity, stuff like that. Yeah. Also urgency, you know, yeah. taking, taking someone from an ad agency, you know, at a high performing agency and putting them in most, enterprise size organizations, they will maybe not outperform in terms of work product, but out drive most people around them just with the the sense of urgency that they have that when there's an assignment, we're going to focus on it and work on it in a way uh, with a real passion behind it. Yeah. And how to like use a short attention span to your advantage. Right. (laughs) I'm still trying to master that one. I agree. Um, Well, so how far into your, uh, I'm going to call it a sabbatical, but you can call it whatever. Um, how far into it were you when you got the idea for kindred and, and feel free to explain what kindred is at this, at this point. So people can get a sense. Sure. Sure. I was probably about a year in, I I mean, it wasn't, I I literally, I wanted to actually do a sabbatical. It didn't happen. Um, again, that's probably because of the short attention span, but, um, I, I, I got a little closer to some of the investments that I had made through the years. I, um, did some more, um, investing, um, both as an angel, um, and, and into some funds and, um, and, and lean into some advising, um, a little bit, stop short of doing actual consulting. Um, because I feel like once you start, it's hard to stop. 
Um, and I just didn't know if I necessarily wanted to do that in the short, if not long term. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would say that um, the idea for this had been brewing, it turns out, for years. Uh, I just didn't realize it. Um, it's kind of a slow hunch, uh, as Stephen Johnson would call it, um, that that build, uh, build built up over the course of several years. Um, noted mostly by like some of the work that I was doing inside of the agency. We had created a, a division of the agency called Deep Impact, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the few deep focus funds that I actually like. Um, and uh, that was focused on working with nonprofits. And as luck would have it, one of the initiatives that we had wound up becoming, um, you know, working, had us working uh, closely with the Obama White House. Um, and it was an incredibly rewarding experience around elevating the conversation around criminal justice reform. Um, and, uh, it was, it kind of gave, like, I got my groove back with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I thought about like, how can I do more of this? Um, and so I spent more time, um, working with nonprofits, working with, um, you know, with companies that were, you know, really just like trying to make more of a positive impact on the world. Um, and then I, I kind of realized what drew me to advertising at the time I was drawn to it in the first place, which is that kind of the, the the advent of all this new technology and connectedness and social media and all the things that go around with it. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of negatives that we now know about in hindsight, but it enables every single person in the world to potentially become a force multiplier. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good. We just choose to forward what's in front of us. And a lot of that is junk. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the echo chambery nature of social media that we all, uh, you know, think about as the bad, I mean, often, does the good. I mean, like you could literally do a, like a really wonderful case study on, you know, Greta Thunberg, um, you know, 16 year old girl from Sweden organizing a global walkout for climate change. Um, you know, yesterday, you know, story that, you know, New York is going to let kids walk out of school on the 23rd. I mean, you know, and that is like, that is momentum. That is movement building. That is old school community organizing updated, um, you know, for a modern world. Yeah, and, she uh, figured it, out how to scale it. Yeah, and it's just fascinating to me. And like we spent all these years at an agency trying to get more people to like a Facebook page, you know, that sells, you know, potato chips. Um, and not, I mean, there's stuff, some stuff wrong with that, but not that there's everything wrong with that. But um, when you realize like if you could put that same energy towards actually pushing not just profits to the bottom line, but impact to the bottom line, um, we really could like have a network effect um, on on positive change in society. And so um, companies can play a really great role in that, um, as does culture. And so, you know, as I was thinking about like, you know, what, what, what makes, you know, for a modern movement, I, I think in many ways, it is the participation uh, between like public and private partnerships. Um, it is, um, you know, certainly uh, companies, you know, or brands, however you want to call them, um, you know, nonprofits and uh influential culture creators, however you want to describe, you know, people who leave that kind of mark on the world, um, you know, and activists all working together um, to make change happen and holding themselves and each other accountable for it. Because if they don't, the press and society will. Um, that's just how things are. And yes, yeah, sometimes it gets visceral and you get wind up getting, you know, canceled in culture. Um, as uh, Jesus Mero would say, like it is like that's sometimes short lived <laughs> cancellation, right. but yeah, it's like it's more like it, a pause it, and a full cancel. Yeah. I hate it. They, they describe it as like um, 
like Super Mario becoming regular Mario. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, that, that is, I, that, that's what happens. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of upside to, to those parties working together. And I think the best experiences that I've had in my career and the best outcomes I've had um, were because of unexpected collaborations. Um, and we see that happening in fashion. We've always seen that happening in music. And I think the same thing can happen in the world of impact. And so um, you know, the unexpected collaboration that we're trying to make happen um, is doing it through this annual event that we're building uh, up to, which is Kindred 2020. It's happening May 11th to the 14th at the San Diego Convention Center. Um, and it's, it's more than a conference. Um, you know, the idea is we want to get the leaders of business, um, you know, who are now fighting over, in some ways, um, this kind of territory inside their organizations and companies um, to get better at working together. Um, in the same way that those companies had to get better at working together when they were going through uh, the digital transformation era. Um, but I think now we're in a purpose-led business transformation era, and they've got to figure this out. And they've got to figure out in, you know, how to work better with nonprofits, because they're the true experts in actually right. making, making an impact and, and culture. Yeah, and that's where, that's where brands, companies, I don't want to say brands, but brands are the mouthpiece, but companies lose their way and lose credibility when they slap a logo of, of an organization on there and donate cash and feel like, Oh yeah, consumers are going to buy this because they want to participate in this without consulting the experts in that nonprofit space or not even nonprofit, but working with experts to actually drive change or make impact as opposed to just, you know, uh, logo slapping it and just saying, okay, we're putting money in there and we don't really know where it goes after that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the kind of check writing, uh, part of this is like while good and helpful because every nonprofit's existential crisis is money and fundraising. Um, and without that, they can't do the great work that they do in the field, but that's not a force multiplier effect, right? Like that is, that's incremental. It's not exponential. Um, and so I think there can like great exponential things can happen, um, you know, with all, with, with all these parties working together. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very optimistic view. Um, there are a lot of pessimistic views out there. I mean, you know, the, the, there, there've been books very recently, you know, written about like how you can't trust a business to operate, um, you know, for people because it inherently operates for profit. Um, you know, so like Milton Friedman school of economics and I, which is fine. Um, if you, if you want to believe that, but I, I happen to think that, you know, companies are not just entities, they're made of people and people can make right and wrong decisions. Yeah. Um, and I'm optimistic that the future general generation of leaders, um, you know, will have grown up in a time where they're, uh, they'll be making more of the right ones. Well, and any, and just like people, corporations are made up of decision makers who some of them can be part of this system that are, that are building in this way that are, is for good with a focus to amplify good. Yeah. And some of them are legacy companies or even new companies that will be founded in the future that are not going to play in that space and can't do it. Yeah. And, and there are like, there are gold standards of companies that have been doing this forever. Like Ben and Jerry's who's, you know, CEO will be speaking um, at our event. Um, you know, they're, they're the kind of OG like activist brand activist company. Um, they've been like that from day one. And, and, you know, even like, the pessimist after like a Unilever acquisition would say, well, there goes that, but like they, they've continued to do it. Um, you know, on, on April 20th this year, their most successful social media post in history was, you know, a post of a marijuana bud that said, Hey, like, we know you're going to have like probably gonna have a good time today, but just remember that the people getting wealthy off of this now 
that it's becoming legal in a lot of places are are just wealthier white men. Um, and, you know, 80% of the people that are behind bars for low-level drug offenses are African-American men. And so, like, think about that, right? And, like, that, that, I don't know if that sells ice cream, or at least that post probably doesn't necessarily sell ice cream. But when you add it all up, that's a company that you want to buy more ice cream from. And I don't think purpose is the filter by which people make their initial uh, purchasing decisions, but it is the um, intangible that keeps them loyal to a company or brand and gets them to advocate for it more. So, um, and want to spend more money with. And so at Kindred, give me a sense of, of how you're trying to make, I'm assuming what you're trying to do is create the conditions for more potential ways that for-profit enterprises can contribute to what, what I call net positive. Yeah. Um, the, the tricky part of that is always like, well, which cause a company could say a cause is they're contributing to, they feel is a positive and the, the people out in the world, consumers could say, well, I don't agree with that. You know, there are people Correct. who are against marijuana and could say that Ben and Jerry's is now, I don't like them because they're aligned with that cause. Correct. Uh, that would surprise me. For right. Well, for that, for that audience, I think the Venn diagram is very tight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, correct. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we are, you said it well. I mean, we're trying to create these conditions, right? Conditions for collaboration. So in bringing those, you know, brands, uh, nonprofits and creators um, together with the ecosystem that serves and supports them, I mean, we're, we are creating a marketplace. It's a marketplace of ideas. It's also a marketplace, you know, for doing better business with one another and people who you feel better about doing business with, um, which is kind of, you know, it just feels good to do that kind of business. Um, and so, you know, in addition to, you know, the kind of the standard conference fair where, you know, you get to hear, you know, how to do things better, right. How to, um, you know, deal with culture, how to, you know, build a new like purpose led organization and how to actually make an impact and, you know, measure that in terms of, you know, return on your investment in that area. Um, and, you know, there'll be a ton of programming focused on that. Um, we're also doing very special things to make action happen. So, um, you know, the least of which is just facilitating and curating meetings between, you know, brands and, um, you know, influential creators and culture who are aligned on a sense of purpose and can do great work together. Um, and, and that great work can lead to more business together. Um, but there's also, um, you know, putting those brands uh, and companies together with companies who can enable them on that purpose journey. So whether that's, you know, improving the welfare of their employees or, um, you know, finding like plant-based, plant-based ink and, uh, you know, sustainable packaging and, um, you know, closing the loop on, on recycling, um, you know, or just merely, it could be ad tech, uh, you know, but, it, but it's an ad tech company who actually like cares about the same things that the company it wants to do business with does, whether that's the kind of data and privacy or employing veterans, right? Like mm -hmm. these are kinds of things that people should know about each other um, that helps them feel better about doing business with. So we're trying to make those synapses fire between good companies more often. Um, but the, the kind of other and maybe more unique aspect of what we're doing is we're doing um, five concurrent, I guess what I would call like cultural hackathons. Um, at the event where we're bringing, um, you know, 50 to 60 influential creators, um, about half a dozen nonprofits, um, and a brand for each, um, of five areas of impact to figure out how to make, uh, difficult conversations about those complicated issues easier for millions of people to participate in. And then the volume of those conversations too loud 
for institutions to ignore, and whether those institutions are companies or society or government, um, you know, we know that like we there, there certain institutions need to change, and even if that's just a belief system, um, you know, to make it easier for policies to pass or for um, you know people to you know speak. Um, in kinder words about things um, to make it easier for the people that suffer from certain conditions, for example. So the areas of impact that we're going to focus on include, you know, mental health, climate change and sustainability, um, uh, criminal justice reform, or justice reform, I prefer to call it, um, and uh, nutritional access. So like kind of, uh, you know, access to nutritional food in communities um, who just don't have that. It's easier to get, for example, like a Big Mac than fresh vegetables. So like that's, that's a problem. It's um, more, so, it's more like the, the food desert situation. Exactly. Yep. So, um, those are just, there, there's so much urgency, frankly, around those areas that, um, we feel like there's, you know, those problems won't be necessarily solved with better communication, but the urgency around them can be raised through it. Um, and so how do those uh, cohorts working together, um, actually get something done that achieves that, that sense of urgency, that sense of understanding, that sense of empathy, um, that can get more people involved. And those, um, and so, those, those hackathons, Ian, those are happening at Kindred 2020 in May. Is that, correct. are you kind of, are you facilitating through Kindred those same five areas in the marketplace that you're creating on an ongoing basis or, or what's the model, what's the business model of Kindred on a, on a day to day? Is it building up a list of creators who want to, who have a point of view on these issues and I shouldn't say issues on these topics and then a yep. list of brands, you know, is it bringing together the three groups for each topic and conversation and just trying to match make? So, so, um, short term, the, our, our business model is, a, is a successful event. I, we need to be, we need to build the, the best way to build a reputation for bringing the right parties together is by executing this event in a big way Got it. Um, and making sure that, um, you know, that the right corporate cultural and nonprofit leaders are all there working together um, and creating great outcomes. Like for me, like that is, that's what this organization does. The company puts on this event. Um, you know, we'll be finding all kinds of exciting ways to give back as well. Um, I think that simply by bringing people together and making great action happen, like that force multiplier effect is one of our ways of giving back. Um, but we'll find other creative ways to do that too. Um, in the long term, um, which I can't think about too much because you can't underestimate how much work goes into creating an event that goes from zero people to 2,000 people in, in a few months. I, I've, um, I've executed much smaller events than they are. It's, a, it's an unholy it's just, it's nightmare. probably just as much work. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, so, it's, um, so we're, we're like firing on all cylinders for that. But in the long term, I think, you know, for me, like the, the, the lens that I'd apply to everything is what are the things that we can do to make that force multiplier effect happen more often? Uh, that could be in content. Um, it could be in more frequent gatherings. Um, we could be doing these quests, uh, which is what we're calling those hackathons throughout the year. We've already done a couple of them um, as experiments. So we did one um, that worked with our partners at HBO on producing on, um, on ending mental health stigmas um, uh, back in uh, June. Um, just following um, Mental Health Awareness Month, so like you know, there's we, we've we've done stuff in market already. Um, I wouldn't say like everything that we do after Kindred 2020 will necessarily be an event. There are lots of like adjacent possibilities for the kinds of things that we can and will be doing, and some of those conversations are even happening right now. Um, but um, you know, for 
the sake of our day-to-day operations, we are 100% right now focused on, um, you know, producing that event and making that kind of like the, the, the tractor beam for people who just want to have a greater impact um, in their professional and personal lives, frankly. Yeah, this is great. As I'm looking at the events, I'm, I'm really impressed by the group of speakers that you've already got, or I don't, I don't want to say speakers. I think they're presented as speakers, but thought leaders feels like an under, uh, an under promise of who you've got already lined up. So it'll be very yeah. impressive to see this collection of people together. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can, and, and whoever's listening, yeah, yeah, whoever's listening to this, can, you know, just go to kindred.live, you know, and see an updated list of who's going to be there at any given moment. Um, where we'll probably, uh, by the end of September, we'll have, um, I would say like over 50 speakers, um, announced, um, there are going to be some really exciting, um, kind of high profile folks that, uh, that we're going to be announcing in the coming weeks, um, that are more, I would say like in the cultural world, even though they've, uh, it may not be that obvious, but they do have like a leg in, or at least a foot, um, in the um, business world as well. Um, you know, which is exciting because like kind of in the old days, like the, when you, when you were a celebrity, what you wanted to be like kind of the, the next leveling up from celebrities mogul. Um, and I think now, um, people are realizing that, um, that's a pretty shallow, uh, ambition. And I think they, you know, I think their, their ambition above celebrity is actually like kind of making as big of an impact as possible. And the the definition of impact has changed, you know, from, I want to, I want to own a record label and, you know, have a fractional ownership of a sports team too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can use this platform to solve problems in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's come under a lot of scrutiny lately, but um, you know, but, but like, you know, what, what Jay and, um, and Meek Mill have done like um, and Van Jones, and Michael Rubin and Robert Kraft and like to talk about like a bunch of like big personalities, um, you know, kind of coming together to do the reform Alliance, um, you know, really did send the signal uh, to people that says like, you can, forces coming together can in fact create change. I mean, I think in that case, it doesn't just have to be, you know, a bunch of wealthy people, even if they have like different, like maybe political leanings, um, that there is common ground to be had, which is like kind of a nice, I don't know, it's a nice story. Um, you know, but there are, there are these amazing people that, you know, are now like activists who are becoming celebrities because they're activists. And there were a few of them that happened, you know, believe me, in like the sixties, um, and, and before that, um, where people became well known for being activists, I just think now there are um, like you can't necessarily, and this is an interesting act of reconciliation that will have to happen, is that when you're an activist and you want to make change, like how do you actually work with the business world? Right. Like and knowing, how especially you, knowing that you have to eat, so otherwise we just have like a bunch of wealthy activists running. That's it. And how do you the the automatic assumption? What you've referenced the uh, the. Jay-Z and the NFL partnership, the immediate reception of that was like, oh, I can't believe he sold out. You know, that was what the dominant narrative I saw. And then over the next week, it was like, oh no, they're actually going to do things. Wow. I can't believe what they're doing. The impact is going to be amazing of what they're doing. But, it, but the, the initial reaction was from, and it's from Twitter. So it's stilted was, yeah. whoa, this, this feels like he's selling out or he, he did something wrong. But I think people are just so, uh, skeptical of, of companies and per- brands that may be people. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think at this point we'll, we're, we're going to judge that by 
the actions and the outcome, right? And I think like people are judging every step along the way and they're right. entitled to do that. Like that's fine. I mean, you do that. Um, and obviously like a platform like Twitter makes that really easy. It also makes it easy to pile on. Um, I'm, I'm kind of reserving judgment on the whole thing. And I, I, as a long time Jay-Z fan, I'm willing to give like benefit of the doubt everywhere. And so um, he's made a lot of great like calculated business decisions. Um, and if you want to treat um, making an impact with the same kind of respect as you have um, as uh, growing a business, I applaud that too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, like we should be, if someone says they're going to do something, we should hold them accountable for doing that. Whether that's, you know, making your quarterly earnings or, you know, reducing, you know, uh, carbon footprint. Totally. And how we reported along the way. So if, as you said, we, as, as outsiders, I don't like the word consumers, but as, as people that are just watching the announcement of the thing, we have to, we draw a conclusion and then we may not hear anything. Some of these programs are, if we're talking about sustainability and climate change, I may never see an impact to that ever. Oh, right. I mean, it might be some micro impact that gets made, but how it's reported back that to show progress is, is part of what I, what I think needs to be improved. Uh, yeah, and, and the, 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 there, there are generally two things that get a company to change. One is uh, money, <laughs> right? Like right, yeah. people's wallets. You Incentive, vote, right? Vote with your wallet, right? Um, and then, um, you know, but the other is, is cultural pressure, um, which is also kind of closely tied to the fear of losing money. Um, you know, but um, like, do you expect like the NFL to change on its own? Definitely right. Not. I, I, like, right. I mean, it is like li- almost the literal definition of an institution. They're celebrating their hundredth anniversary <laughs> this year. So it's like, you know, there's, um, there is, there's a lot of momentum and muscle memory there um, that frankly does need to change. And, you know, it's, it's not, um, and this isn't just about changing the NFL is the other thing that I think it's about. I think, you know, with, with Jay's involvement and I'm, again, this is speculation, but it's probably about changing culture too. Yeah, um, changing well, the I, culture of the league and changing the culture of you know the path of people that wind up playing for the league and improving the the, the lives of the people in the culture who watch the league. That's it. It's the, it has to serve all three of those for it to have any impact. And and when when purpose is executed at an organization correctly, it does that. It makes sense in a in an elevator description. I understand why this company wants to work with this purpose, and it lifts all three of those audiences. Yep, but you have to be willing to participate in the conversation, right? And so, not to get too wonky about this this one particular thing, but like you know, yeah, if like Eric Reed, who's been you know side by side with Kaepernick, you know, through this entire thing, you know, has something to say about it, it's probably worth having you know making sure that there's a conversation that happens, right? Um, because you know, even with the best of intentions, people are going to scrutinize you know all the steps that are taken along the way. It's just going to happen. Um, right. And if you're so, a CPG yeah. brand and you're talking about sustainability, but you make you know, a lot of plastic bottles, they, they, I'm sure, I'm certain they expect some pushback when they talk about sustainability and, and they have to be thoughtful about not from a PR, let's protect ourselves, but from, if we really believe in this, how are we approaching this perspective and who are we having conversations with to help improve the situation? Yeah. And, and change is awkward. It's inevitable, but it's also awkward. I mean, we've all gone through puberty. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, very awkward years, especially for me. So, um, you know, that, that is, that, that's the thing. And so like, as these companies get off their reliance, for example, on single use plastics, it, it like that kind of supply chain, those supply chain decisions take years, if not decades to unwind. Um, and so, uh, most companies are on that, on the right journey. Um, and even if they're still producing those plastics, I mean, they're going to be under tremendous pressure. Um, to, to re- reduce them um, from governments, from society, from culture, 
um, it's happening. Um, and Absolutely. there are plenty of companies who are building, there, there, there are plenty of people who are building companies to actually profit off of that. Um, and I think that's great. Yep. Like profit off of like enabling these companies to reduce their reliance upon single use plastics. Wonderful. So do you think that, uh, purpose based organizations are in their puberty phase, their, their awkward, gorky teenager phase? Um, I think the reality is companies are always like in perpetual puberty um, and, <laughs> and, and are just like different levels of comfort with it. Um, you know, that is uh, a great way to say it. Because, you know, think about it, like, um, we all get older, um, and, um, you know, a kind of like, as a really morbid way of looking at it is like, the, when you're born, you start dying. Um, just like in the agency world, the day you win a client is the day you start losing it, right? Like, it's just a countdown, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I think a lot of these companies are, they are, it's a journey, it is a journey. There's no end, there's no like championship here. Um, you know, it's like a constant quest to, you know, make people money so you can pay people what they're worth and leave the world a better place, um, you know, every year that you operate in it. And I think like that, that should be like, if, if every company did that, if every company did those three things, um, we would all be better for it. Um, the challenge is that they have also done all the things before that, um, right. without, without regard for maybe any of those three things, um, other than, you know, profits. And so the, 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 the first awkward stage is unlearning that. Um, you know, which again, like is probably the most awkward thing. Um, but then it's like, you know, doing the right thing. Like th that, it, those are not difficult decisions to make. Yep. It's just getting comfortable with making them regularly, um, and managing the expectations of people, um, who are scrutinizing every other decision that you make and, and your quarterly, if not annual, um, reports. Totally. Ian, thank you so much for making time. The, the event is kindred.live. Uh, go there and check it out. I'll have links in the show notes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll also add one thing, Adam. Like, if you it. are if you are a decision maker, this is how like important I feel about making sure the right people are there. If you are a decision maker at a brand, or if you are a influential content creator, you can go to Kindred for free. So wow. free ticket, free hotel, um, subsidized uh, air travel. So like we we want you there. We need you there if we're going to do this right. Um, and so uh, definitely go to kindred.live and uh, you can apply for that, uh, those, those free everything. That's really great. Um, there are some people I'm going to connect you with uh, when we get off of this that I think uh, would be valuable for you. Great. Thank and you. Valuable for them, to be honest. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Uh, I appreciate Ian Schaefer making time today. It was really great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Adam. All right. Good. Fun. Thank you. Your feedback means everything. Send us a tweet at APierno or at strategy underscore inside. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. And please, please, please share this podcast with your friends. Let people know you like it and send people you want to be guests our way. We would love to hear more. Strategy Inside Everything is produced and hosted by Adam Pierno. For information about the show or to find out how to be a guest, you can go to adampierno.com slash podcast. For information about Adam's books, Underthink It and Specific, or to find out how to invite Adam to be a speaker at an upcoming event, please go to adampierno.com slash speaker. Thanks for listening.